Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Today's episode, I want to walk you through the entire digestive process. And my goal is to make this as simple and clear as possible with information I feel is most applicable to you and not too full of detail and scientific jargon. I decided to create this episode because understanding the digestive process in its entirety is such a foundational piece to our overall health, our gut-brain axis, and our nervous system. And it is a blueprint that we can follow to pinpoint things that may be imbalanced in our gut. And if you're listening to this podcast, you likely struggle with some gut issues. And you likely have done a lot of work to learn about your digestive system and how to best support it. But even so, we can still come across symptoms flaring up, imbalances, things that just don't feel super great. And I believe that if we go back through the basics, go back through the entire digestive process, we might be able to notice where things could be going wrong. It also just helps us remember how to best support our digestion and therefore our mental health, energy, overall well-being, and vitality. Now, Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut, and he was well before his time because we are really just starting to uncover how much gut health and the health of the microbiome does affect disease and is linked to a lot of diseases and chronic illnesses. And one of the main reasons for this is because 80% of our immune system is in our gut. So when you think about autoimmune disorders, inflammation, and a lot of different diseases and chronic illnesses, they are connected to issues going on in the immune system within the gut. And so it's not only important to understand the digestive process and how to best support our digestive health if we have gut issues, but because it really impacts our prevention of disease. And as we know through the gut-brain axis, It supports our mental well-being. So let's begin the overview, back to basics, the entire digestive process. So digestion is a top to bottom process. You can think of it as going from north to south if you'd like. And it begins in the brain and ends with defecation. So first we probably experience some hunger signals and then we start to think about food and what we are going to eat. 
So now we've made our meal, we sit down to eat it, and at this point, we want our mind and body to be in a parasympathetic state, which is our rest and digest component of our autonomic nervous system. If you're unfamiliar with what I mean by a parasympathetic state and you are curious to learn more information, as this is really the first part of digestion and the most important, then be sure to download my free guide. The link is in the show notes and it will walk you through everything regarding the nervous system and the gut-brain axis. Okay, so we're in a parasympathetic state and we are seeing our food, we're smelling it, and that triggers the salivary glands in our mouth to produce saliva. And saliva is really important because it has this enzyme in it called amylase that helps break down starch. If you're unfamiliar with what enzymes are, they're a type of protein naturally produced by the body that create chemical reactions, such as breaking down our food. As we chew, we're breaking down the food into a mush while the saliva goes to work and begins to break it down with us. So we're chewing, the saliva is releasing its enzymes, it's breaking down the food, and it's creating this mushy substance that is now ready to head further down the digestive tract. We call this mushy substance bolus. So we swallow the bolus and it is sent through our esophagus to the stomach. Now the stomach has an important role in the breakdown of our food. The main part is that it is a highly acidic environment and we want it to be highly acidic because that is an essential part in further breaking down the bolus so it can continue down the digestive tract. Part of how the stomach does this is with its own acid called hydrochloric acid. It's also releasing pepsin, which is an enzyme of the stomach, and that pepsin teams up with the hydrochloric acid to help break down protein. So the breakdown of starch kind of begins in our mouth with the salivary enzymes, and now protein is starting to be broken down in our stomach with the hydrochloric acid and the pepsin. So while these components go to work, they begin to transform that mushy bolus substance into chyme, which becomes more liquefied as it's mixed with all those gastric juices. Now the peristalsis wave begins passing through every 15 to 25 seconds, pushing the chyme further down the track. Peristalsis is the involuntary constriction and relaxation of the muscles of the intestine that create these wave-like movements that help push the contents of the food that we eat down the digestive tract. So that's a really important wave that's happening pretty consistently after we've eaten our food. So the chyme is moving into the upper part of the small intestine at this point. And since that chyme has been mixed with gastric juices and is acidic, that acidity triggers the small intestine to secrete mucus. As it does this, it also releases a hormone that stimulates the pancreas to release more enzymes and sodium bicarbonate, 
Yes, that is the same thing as the baking soda you use to make cookies. So it's releasing this bicarbonate because it needs to now neutralize the acidity. And once it does that, then the pancreatic enzymes come in and complete the chemical digestion of the carbs, the protein, and the fat in your meal. This is also the time that the gallbladder secretes bile, which is a really important piece for absorbing fats. By the time the chyme exits the upper small intestine, it's pretty much completely digested. The carbohydrates, protein, and fats from your meal have now become molecules and nutrients that can be easily absorbed into the bloodstream and utilized by the body. So carbs turn into glucose, which is sugar. Proteins turn into amino acids and fats turn into fatty acids. This is where we are absorbing all those good nutrients from our food. The remains are now sent further down the digestive tract to the large intestine. This is where our gut bugs go to work and do an incredible job for us of digesting the indigestible fibers from our food that our digestive system couldn't use. And they're able to utilize these leftovers and actually extract nutrients from them that our digestive system couldn't and turn those into vitamins to help nourish our body, which is amazing. Thank you, gut bugs. Here in the large intestine is also where the water and the waste material will get recycled and nourish our colon cells before feces is formed and gets expelled. And that, my friends, is the full digestive process, simply put. Hey, just really quick before we continue, I want to check if you're a woman struggling with chronic digestive and mental stress symptoms, you already know how important diet, stress reduction, and supplemental support is for handling your symptoms, right? Well, unfortunately, most women with these exact struggles will continue to treat just the symptoms and find themselves stuck in a cycle no matter how well they eat or take care of their body. That is why I created a free guide to help you discover the missing piece of your chronic gut brain symptoms that may be keeping you stuck and instead feel empowered in your healing, trust your body, and find true freedom from your symptoms without needing to control your diet and every moment of your life any further. I know that I was in that cycle for a long time, and this information is what helped me move the needle the most. So if you're interested, head to the link in the show notes or over to trustyourguthealth.com forward slash guide. Okay, so what goes wrong here? I want to now walk through this entire process again and point out what can go wrong. The point of walking through this process from top to bottom is because if something is going wrong further down in the digestive tract, we need to look in the upper portions of the digestive tract first to see if it started there because it likely did. So let's think about the brain. What can go wrong? 
Well, we might be in a sympathetic state, stressed, rushed, eating on the go. And if we're in this kind of state when we're eating, that very first signal can be missed. The signal that tells the salivary glands to start producing saliva. So if the brain didn't send a message to trigger saliva production, enzymes, the amylase, is not secreted and the breakdown of food doesn't begin. This can send two large particles of starch down in the digestive tract where they're not supposed to be, and that can leave this undigested starch in the colon where it might feed candida or dysbiosis. What can begin to happen too in the mouth is that we may not chew enough. This might be, again, being rushed, eating on the go. Maybe we have a habit of just eating too fast, which I think a lot of us do, and just not chewing up our food enough and turning it into that mushy substance that becomes bolus. And when we do that, we can also send too large of particles down the digestive tract where they will feed bacteria or yeast that we don't really want it to feed or cause problems in the digestive process or even inflammation. So the brain, we can be in sympathetic, too rushed, too stressed, signals are missed, saliva is not produced, and then we also may not chew our food enough. So honestly, when you're having any kind of gut issues, I want you to go back and be really honest with yourself because this is the hardest part, I think. It's really easy to, you know, maybe take some things out of your diet, eat certain supplements, but when it comes to really being mindful, present, slow with our food and our busy lives, especially if we're juggling a lot, oh man, this can be a really hard one to focus on. And if you're interested in learning some of these tips, again, I encourage you to go download my guide. I have a few in there and uh, send a few extra along after for those who do get the guide. Okay, so the next area where things can go wrong, remember, we look at the brain and the mouth, and if we're like, okay, we, you know, we're pretty good and relaxed when we're eating, we're sitting down, we're not distracted, we're chewing our food, then we want to look at the stomach and what could be going wrong there. The most common thing is that we produce too little stomach acid. And there's a couple reasons why stomach acid can be reduced. This can just happen naturally over age. Uh, People in their older years tend to have less stomach acid than they did when they were younger. Stress is probably the number one thing that reduces stomach acid. It can also happen due to allergies or nutrient deficiencies. And for some people, having too much alcohol or too much refined carbohydrates and sugars can also cause this. It is being shown that probably about 90% of Americans produce too little hydrochloric acid, too little stomach acid. 
So if you don't produce enough hydrochloric acid, your first line of defense against pathogenic microorganisms is gone. So the gut has a couple barriers set up to protect our body against pathogens. And the first barrier it has is stomach acid. The idea is that the environment is too acidic that it will kill any yeast, bacteria, viruses, or parasites we may get through food or water. When acidity is correct, our pepsin help digest these microorganisms. But when we have too low acidity in our stomach, it allows these organisms to thrive and raise havoc in the GI tract, causing inflammation and other disease. The other and really the most common thing we see, especially in the U.S., is heartburn, acid reflux, and GERD. So when we don't have enough stomach acid, we are not able to break down our food properly, and that is what causes reflux. And it's a very different idea than what we've been taught. We think that if we have heartburn and acid reflux, it means that we must have too much stomach acid. But really, it's that we are producing too little stomach acid, and it is causing a reflux that can damage the esophagus. And the most common practice, right, is to use anti-acids, acid blocks, proton pump prohibitors. And what this does is they are meant to raise the pH of the bolus to neutral so it doesn't burn the esophagus. But now it's too alkaline in the stomach. And therefore, we still don't have enough stomach acid to break down our food. And we just stay in a vicious cycle of having heartburn and reflux and then putting more antiacids on top of that, bringing down the pH and causing this vicious cycle. From here, foods that are not being properly broken down in the stomach with stomach acid can begin to ferment such as carbs, so think gas. Proteins can putrefy and fats can recidify. So for most of my clients, I see that there is support needed in the stomach with stomach acid production. Moving along, in the stomach we have the chyme, but now if there's no acidity in the stomach, the chymes become too alkaline and therefore it's not triggering the small intestine to secrete its mucus because remember the acidity of the chyme is what triggers the small intestine to secrete its mucus and remember that mucus has important hormones in it that release the pancreatic enzymes and the bile from the gallbladder that are extremely important in breaking down our food into those absorbable molecules where we get all our nutrients. So in this case, the chyme can end up also staying longer in the stomach and degenerate. 
And as it begins to putrefy, it produces organic acids that can hurt the mucosal lining of the stomach. The other thing that can be missed is that we may not have that sodium bicarbonate release to raise the pH and bring about a neutral environment. And so it can end up burning the mucosal lining if it's staying in the stomach too long, which can lead to ulcers. So in summary, quite a few things can happen in the stomach and in the chyme as it moves into the small intestine. So we may not have enough hydrochloric acid, which is our first defense against pathogenic microorganisms. We can experience heartburn, acid reflux, and GERD. We can have damage to the esophagus from too much acid reflux. If we're taking anti-acids, acid blocks, proton pump prohibitors to deal with the issue, it can keep us in a vicious cycle of neutralizing the stomach acid so it doesn't burn the esophagus and keeping the problem going of having too little stomach acid. I do want to make a note here, though, that if you have Barrett's esophagus, if you have serious GERD, acid reflux, it's really important that you work with a practitioner and you keep using whatever medications you need to feel good, to feel healthy, to be able to digest your food. This is just kind of general information about what can go wrong. This doesn't mean you need to stop using those things. As the chyme moves into the small intestine, those undigested proteins that are too big being sent down because the salivary amylase wasn't produced or we didn't chew enough or we had too little stomach acid, those big particles can end up damaging the villi and microvilli, which can end up making us susceptible to leaky gut. Now it goes into the final step in the large intestine, and now the large intestine has a whole bunch to deal with. So that maldigested food can begin degenerating in the colon, and this is where dysbiosis can occur because now there is these particles that can end up feeding bacteria that is dysbiotic, opportunistic, which is quote-unquote our bad bacteria. We don't want it to grow in too big of numbers, and it throws off the whole balance leading to a whole host of problems. It can also feed candida, a yeast naturally found in our large intestine that can easily become overgrown. The colon becomes subject to inflammation from all of this and loss of tone and the colon cells can weaken. And then of course this food, if it's in too big of particles, it will just start to ferment in the gut and that can cause uncomfortable gas and bloating. This can lead to IBS or more serious issues like Crohn's, colitis, and celiac disease. So as you can see, there are many different things that can end up going wrong in the digestive process that may begin in the upper part of the process, but be now affecting something lower down. So it can be something like being stressed out and not chewing enough, and now you're experiencing dysbiosis in the large intestine because of too big of food particles sent down the tract. 
or having too little stomach acid and that also causing candida overgrowth lower down the tract. And there isn't necessarily, you know, one specific pathway, but many different pathways that any of this dysregulation can take. And that's why I think it's important to just go back over this and understand that top-down process so that we can go, oh, you know what? I have been experiencing a lot of bloating or my poops have been kind of funky. And, you know, I realized that I've been pretty stressed out lately and eating pretty fast. Maybe I notice undigested food in my stool, bloating after eating, certain things that just don't seem to be digesting well and can assess that I need support with enzymes or my stomach acid. And we can revisit this over and over anytime we need to make a plan for supporting our digestive health or pinpoint something that may be going wrong. And this is what I use when I'm helping clients figure out what we actually need to focus on in their gut health. We go through this process and I work with what's in the upper part of the digestion first as we move further down the track. And that's a big part of the reason why I put so much focus on nervous system support and regulation because often a lot of our digestive issues are starting because our nervous system is dysregulated and we're eating in those states and our digestion is just offline. Then we will often look at what else needs support because once we've had enough dysregulation in our nervous system, enough chronic stress in our life, or experience any trauma, we're going to have an impact on our physical body. And that's when I like to come in and make sure we are addressing the nutritional needs. The other thing I really love is doing stool testing. Often when we've had chronic symptoms, there's going to be some things going on that we're just not really going to be able to tell from our symptoms alone, especially when our symptoms don't make any sense, they're not consistent, especially when we've already tried a lot of diet and supplement protocols. This is when testing is really important so we can see exactly what the balance in the microbiome is if there's any overgrowth, if there are any viruses, pathogens, if there's dysbiosis, if there's showing that we're not digesting proteins well or fats well or carbohydrates well. And so I really love the GI map for this. It's the most amazing stool test I've used and I've done a lot of stool tests for myself and this one I've used a lot in healing my own gut and without taking the GI map I was just trying things and once I took the GI map and I got some support in figuring out what to do that's when I really felt a lot of relief from my gut issues 
which were a lot of dysbiosis and candida overgrowth and H. pylori overgrowth and two little beneficial bacteria. And I was able to get really specific on what I actually needed to do to support those things while also working on my nervous system. So that's where I like to bring the two together because I think it is the package deal for treating our chronic gut-brain imbalances. If you're interested in a GI map, please reach out to me, ask questions. I'm thinking about offering a little test and suggest option if someone is just interested in testing and then having a meeting with me to go over their results and have recommendations on how to move forward. So I hope this was helpful going back through the digestive process. And if you already know all about this and understand it, I hope it was a really good review for you just to remember and be refreshed. I know I always need to do that. And if it was new to you and it's brought up some questions, please head over to my Instagram or Facebook. Uh, The links are in the show notes. I'm always happy to answer questions over there. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.